This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Download the ARN News Centre app to stay up to date with the number one source of national and international news. The ARN News Centre, the pulse of the UAE. Dubai Eye 103.8, spreading tolerance, acceptance and understanding through conversation across the UAE. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Indeed it is. It is the grill uh, into our final hour. Down here at Barasti, if you're looking for somewhere to watch your live sport, you get yourself down here to be part of it because there's plenty of talking points to bring you up to date with already. Uh, so do come on down here if you want to watch the Premier League, if you want to watch La Liga a little later on. If you're interested uh, in the cricket, then you'll be able to get it down here at Barasti. From 6 o'clock, no rugby being shown down here at Barasti, so if you're after the rugby, don't come down here this afternoon as they will be showing or turning their attention fully uh, to the world of the Premier League, showing all of the games in the Premier League from 6 o'clock down here. Talking of the Premier League, Chris McCarthy's going to bring us back up to date. Yeah, we're into the final 13 minutes of of regulation time at Carra Road. It's been a good advert this for the new Premier League season. The football season has officially begun. Of course, it began a few weeks back, but this is it today. This has been an absolute belting match. It's Norwich 2, Chelsea 3. We've got a bit of controversy here. Is this goal standing or is it not? Chelsea think, and we're going to get VAR. Here we go then. <laughs> VAR has just been discussed. Perfect. We're having a little look at this. Now, has Emerson jumped into Tim Crew? It's a long, hopeful punt into the box. I think that will be given as a fault. It's Olivier Giroud in actual fact. He bumps in to Tim Krul. Tim Krul's up. He catches the ball. He then drops it. And Kurt Zuma pops it into the back of the net. The referee has given a foul. Tim Krul not happy. But uh, Martin Atkinson just awaiting confirmation from the VAR team. I think this one will be ruled out. And Norwich, for the final 10 minutes, will be a goal still behind. Norwich 2, Chelsea 3. Chelsea have led three times in this match. They've been pegged back twice. Will it be a case of third time lucky for Chelsea? We wait to see. But 10 minutes on the clock, 10 minutes left, I should say, on the clock. It's Norwich 2, Chelsea 3. Same amount of time almost down at the uh, Championship game yep. as well. It remains Derby County 1, West Bromwich Albion 0 in that one. It was Martin Waghorn from the penalty spot. I can tell you as well, he would go on to miss a second penalty in that first half. Sam Johnson, the former Manchester United youth player, now goalkeeper for West Bromwich Albion, getting down. He dived the same way that he did in the opening penalty. On that occasion, Martin Waghorn left-footed, opened his body up and slotted it into the bottom right-hand corner. This time, the second penalty, he went to the left. Johnson read it, got a big strong hand to it, tipped it around the post to keep West Brom in this one. But 15 minutes remaining at Pride Park, it remains Derby County 1, West Bromwich Albion 0. Just whilst we're on the conversation of all things VIR, we're talking about it before the break, uh, continue the conversation straight afterwards as well. Uh, Man City manager Pep Guardiola, they're not in action today, they're in action tomorrow uh, at 5 o'clock local time here in the UAE. They'll be travelling down south to take on Bournemouth in the Premier League, one of three games tomorrow. Uh, how uh, does uh, Pep Guardiola refer or, or react, or has he reacted so far to VAR? Well, the reason why is to be more justice, to be more fair. It's the only reason I accept I like VAR, and I think at the end it's going to happen. So that is the first season, and that's normally it's happened, but that is the sense of because the VAR exists to be more fair to justice and help to the referees to the job. I've but if the, the VAR must be mis mistake, it's better to do that. But I think at the end it's going to be right. So I, I had the same opinion 
you know, from the beginning, I support this, this technology. So at the end, it's going to be well. But I think during the process, going to adjust the, the best for, for the system. What about his near neighbor, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Uh, we heard there Pep Guardiola talking about justice and he's talking about it sorting out problems, creating fairness. We've had all sorts of penalty debacles and problems in the Premier League so far this season. We're only a couple of weeks in. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been sharing his thoughts on one such incident. It's not that I've left it to the players to sort out. We've nominated two. And throughout the season, um, you'll have games where Rashford's not playing, Pogba's not playing, and it's good for them to know that I'm there and I'm uh, being trusted to take penalties. And it's not like uh, there's uh, anarchy and uh, just do whatever you want. We've uh, nominated a few. And uh, throughout the whole season, I'm sure you'll... Last year we had, we had a few, we had Marcus, we had Jesse, we had Paul. When I was here, we scored, all scored on penalties, probably more as well, I can't remember now. Uh, so it's not, uh, it's not that I'll leave it to them now. Manchester United in action later on this afternoon, six o'clock kickoff, they take on Crystal Palace, the game being played at Old Trafford. Who will take the penalties? Should a penalty be awarded? We will wait and see. I heard you uh, and uh, McCar um, no, you're McCarty, Greenfield talking <laughs> about this uh, midweek. I think I was actually prompted to text in. I was that incensed by the conversation. Uh, but you were talking about the sort of, you know, the, 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 the penalty debacle and uh, whose decision it should be and whether it's a seniority thing, um, uh, the, the role of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think the, the, the sort of gist of my text was, who's the captain? Surely the captain should be having a role here. What's happened to the role of the captain on a field of play in football? If there is an issue with a penalty, the captain should be saying, no, you take the penalty. The problem with the captain is it's David De Gea and he's down the opposite end of the football field so he can't I just think and I, and I said it there Marcus Rashford should be strong enough now I know Paul's older but Marcus Rashford should have been old enough there to say Paul I scored last Sunday I'm taking this penalty and I will continue to take these penalties until I miss one mate that's what should have been said I know Marcus has gone the other side saying we're all mates here Paul just fancied it bit too passive for me but equally it doesn't it take the role of even if the goalkeeper's down the other end you know he's not in a different county or a different not shire thing. he needs to come up and say oh oi, 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 boys hang on I'm your skipper he's taking the pen yeah, yeah I'll take that point but, but, but surely they discussed yeah, before done that. I mean, I mean from, a, from a rugby perspective, you've got one guy that's going to start the kicking. If he misses two or three kicks, you go to the next guy. Exactly. I mean, it's common sense. I mean, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer apparently uh, was left a little embarrassed by it all and gave both the players a bit of a dressing down. It's just, it's a nonsense. Listen, if Paul Pogba scores that goal, hindsight's a wonderful thing and all the rest. If Paul scores, nothing much is said. But he didn't. He missed. And that was two points dropped for Manchester United in the early stages of this season. I've got no doubt if a penalty is awarded at Old Trafford today against Crystal Palace, it will be Marcus Rashford. He has yet to miss one touch wood in his professional career. I was there at Old Trafford, as I say. It was a worldie of a penalty against Kepa. Top corner. Kepa nowhere near it. Wouldn't, three goalkeepers wouldn't have saved that. So Marcus needs to be on penalties. Paul needs to sit back. I think Paul's actually missed five of the 12 that he's taken. Or maybe it's four of the 12 that he's taken. So I mean, that tells you that he's got an issue from 12 yards. I, I, 
I, I honestly think that, that because the pressure's on Pogba at the moment, he insisted on yeah. taking that goal. He thought, I'll score a goal, get a bit of pressure off me, get the crowd off my back, and uh, it obviously backfired him in time. It did. It was an, o- an opportunity for Manchester United, United to go. Palace. United Palace, yes, indeed. Six o'clock kickoff at Old Trafford. Team news is in. No surprises to see Manchester United unchanged from the side. They got a 1 1 draw at Molyneux on Monday night. So David De Gea and goals. Aaron Wan Bissaka going up against the team that he left in the summer for Old, Old Trafford. Victor Lindelof and Harry McGuire. Wire, nascent stage of that partnership, but it looks good. Luke Shaw in at left back, Paul Pogba, Scott McTominay in the middle of the park, then Dan James on the right, Marcus on the left, uh, Jesse Lingard in behind Anthony Martial. As for Crystal Palace, where they're, they're going to look, I think, to frustrate the host today. Guita starts in goals, back four of Ward, Cahill, Kelly and Van Holt. Then comes the midfield three, James MacArthur, Luka Milojevic and Cech Quixote. And then it is Wilfred Zaha, Jordan AU and Jeffrey Schlupp. So in Schlupp and AU, they've got workers in there. And of course, they've got the X-Factor in a man that formerly called Old Trafford home. Wilfred Zaha had an unhappy little spell. He felt he was too young, too immature to take on the challenge of playing for Manchester United. He's a completely different animal now he's a different beast he is a world-class player is Wilfred Zaha so he returns there he could be the match winner for Palace United will dominate possession United are the favourites Palace had a wretched start but given that wretched start don't rule them out getting something in Old Trafford there was chat that Zaha was on the move that it wouldn't stay at Palace that's is that still doing the rounds at the moment well or not? the window is shut so unless a European team and I don't think there's a European team out there that would spend 70 million on Wilfred Zaha quite simply he was priced out of the market Tom Crystal Palace felt that 70 million, if you're spending 80, 85 on Harry Maguire, then he is worth Wilfred Zaha, at least not far off that. And I don't think in Arsenal, I don't think in Everton, I think Everton will, they did have a couple of bids rejected, upwards of 60 million, we believe. Crystal Palace didn't deem that sufficient enough to sell a player who on his day is an absolute match winner in this league. So he's been let loose today at Old Trafford. As you wince, is that another wicket or is Pat It's not another wicket, it's just another helmet strike yet again at this test match so on comes the physio yet again uh, it is a test match that has thrown up all sorts of talking points we'll continue with those talking points Manchester United it's Crystal Palace is live down here at Barasti from six o'clock do come on down and watch that one uh, looking forward to that one I'm looking forward to it yeah anytime points? I mean, you'd think United, right? Of course, common sense tells you Old Trafford, Manchester United. I always said, and I'll say it again, United this season, we talk about the features of these different teams. The true test for United is when they concede first, Tom. I worry that they don't have enough kind of ingenuity, enough cute players in tight spaces. If teams score and then sit in, I think that's where United will have problems. If United score first and teams have to come out, then in Dan James and Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial, they've got pace to burn. You say that though, Chris. In all honesty, I wasn't saying pressure them against Wolves the other night. I felt the longer that game went on, the more, more momentum Wolves, Wolves were getting. The minute they brought on Adake, I think that the, the player's yeah, name Trory, is... Trory. I mean, he absolutely ran the defence of, of, of United this morning. And to me, United, and often we had six and sevens. If that ball had not hit the post from the from the Wolves uh, header, they would have been in big trouble. They would have been. I I thought United were okay though. I thought there was a little bit more purpose about them than in recent years. They've been a bit pedestrian. And all of a sudden now there is pace. They're all interchanging from a final third perspective. This is and of course in, in Juan Bissaka and Harry Maguire, they have got two players who will make a difference from a defensive standpoint. So listen, they got beat on both occasions. They went to Molyneux last season in the Emirates FA Cup in the league. They've come away with a point. They drew with Chelsea last season at Old Trafford. They've beaten them 
them 4-0. So they're already three points up in those two games last season. It's it's walking before you can run with Manchester United this season. A top four finish and a cup run and a cup, a League Cup or an FA Cup, I think will be deemed as a success for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his team. Today, on paper, you expect United to beat Palace, but in this league, we know you never take anything for granted. Delay in the Test match as Joe Denley is receiving treatment. He's just been squared up by a Pat Cummins bouncer. Uh, looks like he needs a new lid as well, so a new... Um, helmet being run out uh, to the uh, centre. Uh, we'll keep an eye on the cricket for you, the football, and of course the rugby, which is live. Let's talk rugby next. Unbelievable goal! This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Indeed, the game is on. A couple of minutes remaining in the early kickoff in the Premier League. Norwich against Chelsea, Chris. It still remains Norwich 2, Chelsea 3. Tammy Abraham is going to be the man taking all the plaudits. Two goals for that young man coming in for some criticism at the start of this season. He's proved that he can score goals at championship level. He did so with Bristol City. He did so last season with Aston Villa. And this, today, he is proving that he can find the back of the net in the top league in English football. Two goals from Tammy, one as well from another young man with a bright future, Mason Mount. They will prove to be the match winner as things stand. However, I do say that, five minutes of added on time. We've seen a minute and a half of it. Still three and a half to go. Norwich, can they rescue something from what has been a wonderful football match? It's Norwich 2, Chelsea 3. Anis, thank you very much indeed for your text message. Anis saying, let's be honest, the World Cup was pure luck. <laughs> we can go on about that. This cricket team is like the English football team. A lot of star players, but they fail to play as a team. A lot of disconnect. It's far too easy for Australia. I wish I could disagree with you at the moment, uh, Anis, but I can't. England up against it again. 27 for the loss of two wickets from 10 overs. Uh, they slipped to 15-4-2. Joe Denley, Joe Root at the crease at the moment with both of the um, uh, uh, the openers, uh, Burns and Roy, having returned. Is that the end we'll see of uh, Jason Roy's test career? Well, certainly for now, certainly seems to be the way the man hasn't scored a run in this series and just looks out of sorts. Could the same be said for Rory Burns? We'll wait and see. What's happening in the rugby, CBR? Yeah, Tom, what I can tell you is France still lead that fixture 14 points to 10. It's 51 minutes play. Just before halftime, Sean Maitland, the right winger for Scotland, of course, the Saracens man, did score. That was converted by Greg Laidlaw. But currently, as it stands, 52 minutes played. France 14, Scotland 10. St. Helens against Warrington Wolves in the Challenge Cup final, live from Wembley. That one's at 6 o'clock local time here in the UAE. And also at 6 o'clock on the other side of the code, England against Ireland. Let's get some thoughts from Eddie Jones, the England coach. Uh, we'll pick more of the experienced players. Uh, yeah, a lot of those guys came back in the third group of players, so we wanted to give them the necessary physical preparation time, mental preparation time, and now we feel they're ready to play. Why have you gone for Nile on this weekend? Again, we're just trying a different uh, strategic approach to the game. Um, you know, as we've said all along, the, these World Cup preparation games are about two things. Firstly, about finding a bit more out about our selection and combinations, and secondly, finding out about what sort of tactical approaches we need to, to employ and that we can use successfully in Japan, because you're going to need a few. Eddie Jones going with, he's done a bit of experimentation against the Wales in the last couple of weeks. Looks like he's going to, his tried and tested in this one. Yeah, absolutely, Tom, and a very, very strong team that Eddie Jones has selected. Of course, the interesting factor is that we will see Owen Farrell at 12 today. George Ford retains the 10 
uh, a jersey. And then, of course, he's chosen the two kamikazes, as he likes to call them. We've got Tom Curry at six and Sam Undiel at seven. And that's going to be a fantastic combination. Two very enthusiastic youngsters with Vanipola at, at number eight. So, Tom, England, I think this will be as close as what they get to their starting line. Of course, it will be interesting to see how they fit Slade in when he comes back and fit. But I expect a big, big effort from the English today against the Irish. Yeah, he picked up on the kamikaze kids. That was the phrase that Eddie used uh, midweek during his team selection. Uh, let's hear from one of the kamikaze kids, Tom Curry. Still obviously building a few weeks to go before anything actually starts. Um, you know, yeah, whatever Ireland throw at us, we're very focused on ourselves, uh, how we want to play. And, you know, if Ireland throw something different, then we'll have to adapt. And that's what we've been working on. Um, so it'll be, a, it'll be a good test for us. Anytime you get to play Twickenham, it's exciting uh, in front of the home fans, and it's, you know, especially against Wales. Um, so, yeah, no, hopefully much longer than half an hour this week. It's a good one, isn't it? Rugby at Twickenham, rugby league down at Wembley as well. It's a rugby fest on both sides of the codes. Uh, England, though, blessed. In fact, the whole of the World Cup, to a certain degree, blessed with flankers, back row players, because strength and depth in most of the squads, really. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. I think it's, it's, it's one position where the world of rugby is kind of spoilt with. And as you've just yeah. mentioned there, I think England at the moment, Rev, have really in that in that back row it, it's 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 a nice problem to have for Eddie Jones at the moment he's got so much uh, so much talent to me Vinnie Polar still kind of cements himself and, and, and selects himself at, at number eight I think Billy uh, Billy's instrumental there but as you say also some fantastic youngsters coming through and I really like Sam Underhill I think you know if he could stay injury free he will really really be a big asset to England come this World Cup yeah, great to see uh, Mako Vinopola back as well. Uh, he uh, returns uh, after long injury break. Uh, and good to see Manu back on form as well. Manu Tuolangi, we understand, is uh, the fittest he's ever felt. Mind you, we've heard that before as well. Can he stay injury free? Can he be a devastating force at this forthcoming World Cup? Manu Tuolangi has got something to prove. There's, there's a lot of um, dark times, you know, especially with. Um, you come back and have another setback or things like that. But um, I guess for me, it was um, having my family around, um, the players at, at the club helped me a lot. But there was definitely times that where I thought, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe it's time. How much was uh, Eddie Jones on the? phone or on the text or on the email um, in the time when you know, injuries have sort of taken you off the field yeah Eddie's always been good with me it's good to, to have someone that um, you know always believes in you like you say even when I, um, I was injured like way like I have you know, three four months to to go and you know still text and just keep in touch and just checking in so um yeah, it's, it's good to have that. Manitou Alanga there giving his thoughts. Uh, he could be an influence. Absolutely. It doesn't sound too excited, does he, really? <laughs> but, I mean, what a lot of people forget, he's only 28 years old. They brought him to the England squad as a, as a 21-year-old. But an absolute powerhouse, Tom. And quite interesting, during the Six Nations and a couple of the warm-up games, they've been using him at inside centre, predominantly at 12. Today, he finds himself in that 13 jersey. And, of course, we know what havoc he can cause. Who would forget that international against New Zealand when him and Barrett basically destroyed uh, New Zealand individually 
um, from a 12 and 13 perspective. So I'm expecting big things from him today. Of course, he's up against Ring Rose of Ireland, which is going to be quite stiff competition. But I still believe Manitou Alagi fit in the 13 jumper. He can really build up that speed of momentum. He's instrumental to England. It will be interesting to see how he once again partners with Farrell this afternoon and how they get him over that vantage line. Full-time at Carrow Road, Chris McCarty. Yeah, it is a success for Frank Lampard and for Chelsea. First win as manager of Chelsea for Frank Lampard. Of course, a club legend there. Three goals to two in the end. It was a great match to watch and it was an absolute great match for us to kind of keep an eye on and commentate for you guys. Chelsea led three times in this one. Tammy Abraham, he's off and running now. Two goals for him. He opened the scoring, pegged back by a wonderful little finish from Todd Cantwell. Then Mason Mount made it 2-1 and before the half hour was out, Timu Puki with his fifth goal of the season thus far made it two apiece. But in that second half, quality eventually told Tammy Abraham it was. He turned Grant Hanley one way and then the next. Ben Godfrey he couldn't stop him either and it was Tammy Abraham with the finish to give Chelsea the victory. So a win, a draw and a defeat from Frank Lampard's opening three games. The pressure just comes off ever so much now and it's finished at Carroll Road, Norwich 2 Chelsea 3. England against Ireland at Twickenham from 6 o'clock. It's been shown uh, around the UAE if you fancy watching it. It's all about the Premier League down here at Barashti so get yourself down here if you want to watch the football, uh, the cricket and more. Uh, talking of the rugby though, uh, we heard there from CBR about the influence of a certain Billy Vinopola at the base of of the scrum. What about his bro up front as well? Mako Vinopola has shaken off the injury that was a concern and people were wondering whether he'd be fit for the World Cup. Steve Borthwick, part of the England management and coaching team, believes he will be a massive impact. To have a player of his calibre close to being on the pitch is, is clearly a great boost. I'm very pleased for him and it's testament to all his hard work and how well our strength and conditioning and uh, medical department work together to get him into the shape he is. We're very fortunate to have three very, very good players in that position. He reckons he's somewhere near his best shape ever in his career. That's uh, quite something, isn't it? Yeah, and again, I think that comes to... He, you see the, the character of the guy, how hard he has worked and how well the, the staff here have worked to, to ensure that players are in the best shape possible. So he's been working away from the team, obviously, a lot during this camp. Has that been tough for him? Well, I think, and from my own personal experience, have been when you've had long-term injuries and you're not with the team, it is challenging. Um, it's also an area where you, time when you can develop um, and improve in, in areas that were deficient in the past. So whilst nobody wants to be injured, the injury also gives an opportunity to come back an even better player. Quite refreshing to get a couple of sentences in response to a question from one of the uh, England management team there as opposed to the Manitoba Luggy approach to uh, media. Actually talking of that, Owen Farrell has also been talking to the media ahead of this game. It can be what presents itself and hopefully um, you know we've known each other for long enough and the team's gelling um, well over this over this pre-season that we can spot them opportunities and take it. Um, yeah, we're, ju we're just looking to play with some hunters. Maybe that's the problem, CBR, for England rugby at the moment. Hot and cold, blowing hot and cold. Lack of communication, surely. <laughs> it's rather difficult to understand, them, isn't it, depending on which part of the other country you're from. But, uh, yeah, Tom, I think you, you, you made a very valid point there. I mean, Marco Vanipola, he, he's on the bench today. We'll definitely see him introduced uh, to the team. And, uh, as I say, England need him. We know how instrumental he was for Saracens this year in, in the fantastic success that they had. And just good to see the big man going once again, as I 
said, this looks like England. To me, this looks more or less like an England starting lineup. It will be interesting to see that when Slade comes back, what Eddie Jones does do with Owen Farrell if he does start in the 10 jersey. But uh, as I said, they're going to be up against it today, though. Look at, looking at the, at the Irish team, very much a full-strength Irish team that uh, Joe Smith has selected. Of course, big questions will be asked of uh, Ross Byrne today. He is the Leinster flight that, of course, comes in for, for Johnny Six. And it will be good to see how he... Um, interacts within that Irish team. But looking at the back three of uh, Kearney, Laymore, Ringrose at centre, Benny Aki, and of course uh, Joseph Stockdale, we know what damage he can cause on the left wing for Ireland. So it's going to be a fantastic encounter today. And of course, if Ireland do beat England today at Twickenham, they do become the number one ranked team in the world. Glad you talked there about Ireland. Uh, proper, a couple of concerns for them uh, in uh, some of the key positions. Johnny Sexton obviously in the in the squad, but won't be, doesn't look like he's going to be fit for the start of the tournament. You've got to take him with you anyway, haven't you? Even if you can get him fit for the second of the game, third game, or maybe even the quarterfinals if you can get there. So instrumental, Tom. I mean, he, you know, he won player of the year uh, last year. He's, he's, he's such an instrumental cog to this, uh, to this Irish wheel. And as you say, we know what damage him and Conor Murray can do and if you look at past World Cups of teams that have won it they've always had a great 9 and 10 you know we, we remember the English team in, in 2003 the South African team in 2007 you know the likes of Farida Pierre Bush James back then and to me he's instrumental in, the, in this Irish team but as you say the youngster Ross Byrne he's a former Leinster fly he will have to step up to the plate now he has played for them uh, for them before interesting to see how he will go in Schmidt's team but as you say Johnny Sexton they've got to keep working on him because they will need him for the World Cup uh, you mentioned there Jordan Le uh, Lemore. He's uh, one of the um, new additions to the yeah. squad, if you like. A uh, big talent as well. Ireland, uh, this is going to be their first warm-up game. However, talking of warm-ups, they've been in Portugal for about the last four months or something like that. They've had a long, old training season over there. How's that been going? Let's hear from Lemore. Jordan, good hit out today? Yeah, brilliant hit out. Um, it's been a good few weeks here, or the week we had. And, uh, yeah, warm weather training is not easy. But, um, you know, we got through a lot of work this week, so it's been good. We're expecting the temperatures to be reasonably high in Twickenham on Saturday as well. Yeah, it's probably going to suit us a little bit. You know, we've been training all week in this kind of temperature, so, you know, we're all ready to go for this game. You know, it's a first hit out for a few of the boys, so we're all looking forward to it. Yeah, how difficult is that going to be for the guys whose first game it is? Um, you know, I think the training that we've been doing is going to stand to us, you know. We've had a tough, I think, eight weeks now, so, um, you know, we're all raring to go. You know, we're all fit, we're healthy, and uh, just looking forward to it. Big challenge, England and Twickenham. Yeah, it always is, but, you know, last time we played there, we had good memories uh, winning the Grand Slam, so, you know, we can bring that into the game and just, um, you know, try to bring the things we've been working on and training into the match, and hopefully we get the result. What kind of challenge are you expecting? Um, yeah, as always, you know, big physical team with quick backs and skillful players you know it's um it's always a tough battle between the two teams so you know hopefully we come out on top looking forward to it yeah i can't wait to get going again um last week against italy you know really enjoyed that so getting another opportunity um just really looking forward to it Twickenham from six o'clock local time here in the uae it is england against ireland interesting though just listen to that and i know i'm sort of making fun of it but it sort of opens up this wider debate uh, of um communication of players and the media training they go through at the moment. A couple of points I just want to make on that. One, uh, a subject that you were addressing with Robbie on off-script um, uh, extra time, uh, I think before the summer it was, when one of the questions you posed was, well, you know, what's the most redundant thing in sport at the moment? And I was urged to sort of text in saying interviews. 
post-match post interviews, uh, mid-match interviews, half-time interviews, or even the 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 the, the, the uh, football manager uh, press conference before uh, you know midweek uh, press conferences, some of that. They the refuse to give anything away. I think I see more in the press conference because it's an opportunity for other journalists to push agenda, to get to yeah. get them on team news, to get them on some of the big talking points from the week, whether it's their their club related, league related, whatever. I'm with you on post-match. It's just, and I know Owen Farrell's a great example. You know Owen, you've interviewed him over the years. You can never get behind him. No. Because he's just so monotone. He just does not want to give thing, anything. Yeah. He just doesn't want to give anything it. away. It's not his thing. It's not his thing. So, um, the, the reason I, I mention it is I was listening to uh, Matt Dawson's um, uh, podcast midweek. Uh, and he was talking, he was in conversation with uh, Dr. Roberts, Jamie Roberts, Nick Evans as well. And they were talking about, you know, how sort of staccato people, or players were these days. Cause they were so media managed, especially going into a big tournament like the Rugby World Cup. Um, and it is a concern because it sort of takes something away. I mean, yeah, we're seeing the expression on the field, but you sort of want the characters still, don't you? But Tom, I don't blame them because anything these guys say out of context, journalists and, and, and us radio people jump on and they will surely get called out for. And, I, and I, I fully understand why they are like they are nowadays because I just kind of feel that so many people read into the things that they say and gets totally ripped out of context that these guys are basically playing it safe from the start because they don't want to get into any... <laughs> unnecessary feuds that they, that, they, that they might come across if they do speak their minds. Nick Evans came up with a classic though because uh, he said, yeah, 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 but there's always Joe Marler. And everyone went, what do you mean? I said, well, basically, you know, if you've got one of those sort of media mixes and you've got players and the rounds and that, journalists just always go for Joe Marler because A, he's not the brightest kid uh, on, the, on, the, on the block and B, he just says it as it is. Or if he's not saying it as it is, he just says the most random stuff anyway. <laughs> Um, uh, great to see him back in the squad, brought himself out of international retirement. He will be going to Japan as well. Uh, the big man adds a little bit of humanity, if you can call a, what, 125 kg Hulk at the front of the uh, scrum with a Mohican humanity. Brings it a bit of humour, though. If you're an emoji, what sort of emoji would you be? What's an emoji? I have no idea. I know emojis. These two old farts sit in their room reading books and I'm, like, surfing the web. What emoji would you be, John? I don't know emojis very well. I think I wanted to be a fireman. Trouble with height, was it? I wanted to be a Formula One racing driver. Weight was the issue, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a jockey. That Why do you want to be a jockey? Because, uh, Love horses. Horses, are Love beautiful animals. How that, I used to jockey. Uh, is that how, why you've got, like, a punched back? Because you're kind of aerodynamic. His muscles are big. Guilty. It looks like he eats Burgers and chess and beans. Danko. His face looks like an egg. Danko. I once wore a fur coat and a Zimbabwean flagged hat. Why? Because I thought it was fashionable. First celebrity crush, Chris. Probably Pamela Anderson. Nice. Any posters or anything? No. I had a Stone Cold Steve Austin duvet set. <laughs> <laughs> Your celebrity crush on Stone Steve Austin. This is Joe Marler. Um, side profile, big nose. Frontal profile, sticky out ears. This sort of mohawk here. So you can't tell the difference. Where where does the model end and Joe begins? No one knows. I could do Chris. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> That's okay. My name's Christopher. 
This is the grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Okay, let's get an update from the rugby if we can. Uh, rugby union ongoing, Scotland taking on France. Yeah, Tom, and some very, very good news for all Scottish fans. Scotland have taken the lead through a try through Thomas Brook, converted by Greg Laidlaw. Currently 71 minutes played at Murrayfield. It's Scotland leading France. Yes, you heard right. Leading France, 17 points to 14. Uh, what's happening in the cricket? 36 for two. England uh, chasing down a massive target. They need, what, 369, 389 or something like that? 59 is what they need. We were just talking off air. Joe Root, this is where he needs to step up and produce a cop captain's knock. And the fact that I've just said that means that before we clock off at six o'clock, he's probably going to be uh, skittled out. <laughs> the commentator's oh, curse. it's a commentator's curse. I know I've just done it. Just as I was saying, I'm thinking, why am I saying this? But... Uh, yeah, England 36-4-2. They've got eight wickets in hand. The target is 359. US Open starts next week. That sort of crept up on us a little bit, hasn't it? Roger Federer uh, was speaking to the media uh, this week, and yesterday, in fact, and saying that he's the fittest he's ever felt. Uh, the reason being, uh, fittest, he said, uh, physically, but also uh, in his mind. Why? Because he's been caravanning. <laughs> With the family. With the family in Switzerland. You are a family man, Tom. Could you imagine anything worse or better than a caravan Worse, and then I suddenly think of uh, Roger Federer. The what? What are we talking about? Ninety million. Oh, easy earnings. Oh no, way millions, more. A year. Millions, a year. Yes. Years, a year. Whatever it is in earnings. Caravan. But but but, but Tom, you're forgetting. You're having one, a laugh, aren't you? You're forgetting one big thing. His caravan won't be the same as yours. <laughs> That's uh, true. I've seen your caravan. I'll raise your caravan by. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so Roger Federer uh, believes that. Uh, well, he believes he's ready for the U.S. Open this year. So I'm not coming in as the overwhelming favorite like maybe I did back in 2006 or 7. Um, so I'm very much aware of how I need to um, approach this tournament mentally. Um, what I'm very proud of is that I've had a very consistent last year and a half, two years. I've been playing well, you know, I've been playing well in slams as well, recently again as well, which has been great. I think also the win over, over Rafa and the semis was big for me, and also the finals, the way I played that in, in Wimbledon is going to give me some extra confidence. So it's going to be a tough tournament to win, no doubt about it, but uh, um, I, I feel like I'm part of that group. Sivia, do I need to ask? I just got one question about uh, Roger, and I tell you what, he just gets better and better with time. The thing that I'm worried slightly about Roger, and yes, he's, he's very experienced, he's won 20 Grand Slam, but that final against Novak Djokovic, mentally, I don't know how that much that could have damaged him. He had two match points oh, up. Oh, he bought a caravan. So <laughs> and I really hope it works. But Tom, I still think that that might be sitting at the back of his mind. I mean, he, lit he literally had the, had the opportunity to finish off Novak Djokovic on his serve, uh, two match points, and somehow he led Novak back into that game. And I think that might still worry him slightly. But as you say, ultimately, the way you look at it, he's, he's one of the top three best tennis players in the world at the moment. We know how well he does at Flushing Meadow. He likes the hard court. So I, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen his side of the draw, to be perfectly honest. But I mean, to me, he can quite easily make it into a semi-final. It's interesting, this US Open as well. I, I, I mentioned there in the sort of lead-up that it sort of crept up on us to a certain degree. But there hasn't been the sort of fanfare, has there? There's no sort of, apart from Novak Djokovic and his sort of domination of the game in recent times, Federer coming in fresh as well. What has really interested me is the fact that um, Naomi 
Osaka seems to be taking all the headlines as opposed to a, Ser a certain Serena Williams. I don't know if that's something they're playing it down after the dramas of last year. Yeah, maybe. There is maybe a truth to that. There's no doubt about that. And, I, and I'm with you. Maybe it's just because there's so much going on. You know, the start of the new football season, the ashes ongoing, that I'm like you. It has crept up on me a little as well. There is no shortage of talking points. And now, I said this, and I'm probably going to be proved wrong, but I've got to stick to what I said. I had a feeling, Robbie and I discussed it at length, I've got a feeling that we might see a new winner when it comes to the men's side. Novak Djokovic not getting the success he wanted at Cincinnati. Of course, he steps it up, as does Roger, as does Rafa when it comes to the Grand Slams. But we saw in the Cincinnati ATP 1000 Masters event, it was Daniil Medvedev who defeated, uh, it was David Goffin in the final. The first time that those two men have reached a Masters 1000 event final. So I think we might be in for a bit of a shock. I know Roger said that he feels good. It's the best he's felt physically in a long time coming in to the US Open, but maybe he's a little undercooked. Rafa Nadal maybe a little undercooked. And then in the case of Novak Djokovic, the immovable object in recent years, maybe there's a bit of a shock there. So there's a lot of intrigue. Don't get me wrong. It starts on Monday. I'm looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, my little, and I'm basing this on nothing other than law of averages <laughs> more than anything else. We might see a new winner. Uh, we have mentioned golf uh, so far this afternoon. I just want to get a quick one yeah. on that one because some of the big guns going well in the Tour Championship. A uh, third round will be played later on this evening. Um, Rory McIlroy has been in great form. Yeah, Tom, what I can tell you, of course, talk, talking about, about sports people making a name for themselves, Brooks Kupka, how's he come on in the last 24 months? And once again, it's him leading the Tour champ Championship. Of course, it's a top 30 players of the PGA Tour that's down in East Lake, Atlanta, Georgia this weekend, playing for a cool... $15 million, Tom, a bit like your yearly salary here at uh, ARN. <laughs> but what I can tell you is Brooks Kupka leading at 13 under par, Justin Thomas at 12 under, him and Rory tied together. As you say, McElroy yesterday with a fantastic uh, 67 at 12 under, Zander Shuffley comes at 11 under, Englishman Paul Casey at 9 under par, and then Patrick Cantley at 7 under par. Very interesting this year, though, and a lot of feedback has come into the Tour Championships. Of course, the rules have changed this season. So the likes of Justin Thomas, that of course was leading the, 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 the race to the FedEx Cup. He started at 10 under par, and then basically it was a scaling slide, should I rather say, to the 26th player starting at even par. So ultimately, Justin Thomas has got 10 shots before the tournament even started, and he's currently sitting in second position. The big argument of, uh, of the FedEx Cup, or should I rather say the PGA Tour, is that they ultimately want one winner. They don't want one winner winning the tournament and one winner winning the, winning the Tour Championship. They want one winner that wins the total. So rules have changed the season. Very interesting to see how it works out for them. But currently, it's Brooks Kupka that leads the way by one shot. Four games kicking off at 6 o'clock. And then, of course, stick around for uh, what possibly is going to be the big one in terms of intrigue and interest. Uh, Liverpool, who sit top of the table at the moment, they take on Arsenal. Who do you ask about a Liverpool-Arsenal game? Well, why not a player who probably knows, uh, has good insight to both teams, uh, Xavi Alonso? I think it happen because with Arsenal, you know that they, they have great team and they can... Uh, they can beat anyone, so uh, we, will, we will see. But uh, I am expecting Liverpool to win, but it's always uh, interesting, are very interesting games against Arsenal. I remember my first year we played against the Invincibles and we beat them at Anfield, uh, and I have great, great memories from that, from that game. Uh, they were particularly strong with uh, Gilberto Silva, Patrick Vieira, Lumber. Uh, Henry, Bergkamp, Pires, uh, Lauren, Ashley Cole, uh, great, great team.
he's got a special charisma and to get that charisma it's you have it or you don't have it and and Jurgen has it so far and you can see that why he's so uh, he's able to connect that well with the players uh, why the players they follow him that uh, you know they 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 don't hesitate they have no doubts they follow what what Jurgen wants and when you have as a manager that from your players, you have like a treasure. Jimmy Alonso giving his thoughts on Jurgen Klopp, uh, a manager who has gleaned so much praise in recent years, talking there of his charisma as well. Oh, we were talking about managers, weren't we, a little earlier on, in a cricketing sense, and the lack of a charismatic or, 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 or energetic manager at the helm for England cricket. Has that got something to do with it? Because if you look at what Jurgen Klopp's done for Liverpool in recent seasons... Oh, I mean, he's got charisma, and Spades does that man and his team. You know, they often say your teams reflect the man at the top of the tree, your leader, and there's no doubt Liverpool reflect Jurgen Klopp perfectly because there is, and despite the fact that we all know anyone that listens to the show will know I'm not a fan of Liverpool Football Club, but you've got to give credit where credit is due. They are a fine footballing side, and they're starting, there's a steely determination about them now. There is something that tells me they are ready to become English champions. They were ready last season. You've got to give all the credit in the world to Man City, blow for blow, stride for stride. What did they do, win 14, I think? the last 14 matches to keep Liverpool at bay. But this season, they weren't pretty against Southampton. They come away with a victory. They weren't pretty in the second half against Norwich. They didn't need to be. They were 4-0 up. So Liverpool are going to take some stopping. Looking forward to this game tonight, Tom. Liverpool-Arsenal, over the years, has always produced fireworks. We all remember Michael Tom <laughs> Thomas back in the late 80s, early 90s. It goes all the way through. I remember Brendan Rodgers, arguably his kind of finest crowning moment as Liverpool boss in that season was that 5-1 demolition of Arsenal at Anfield. I remember it fondly. Raheem Sterling was running amok, Luis Suarez. And this game always produces fireworks. Andre Arshavin with his four goals to announce himself on English football in that 4-4 draw. So numerous uh, great examples of what a fine battle this will be. And I'm sure it'll be no different 8.30 kick-off this evening. This is Jurgen Klopp on his opponents this evening. I think Arsenal um, improved, of course. Um, brought in, let's only talk about, okay, three really, really um, important players, I think, with, with Pepe, with um, uh, Cabello and, um, and David Luiz. So that makes um, a, a big difference. Uh, you saw that in the first two games. Okay, Pepe came only on. The other two guys played a bit longer, but um, yeah, it makes a big difference. And so they are, they are for sure better. Um, but at the end, it's like it is. We are Danfield. We have to show that as well. We want, we want to see that. We want to feel that. We want to smell that. And uh, yeah, we want to go out there and play our best football. And um, if that's possible for us, then it will be difficult for Arsenal. But only then. That went off at 8.30. Before that, though, 6 o'clock. Get yourself down here to Barasti to be part of the Premier League action. All four games at 6 o'clock are kicking off. We heard from you, Chris McCarty, about Man U. Crystal Palace. We're yep. getting some team news coming in on some of the other games, some crucial games uh, for all those in action at the moment. It's Brighton against Southampton, Sheffield United against Leicester, Watford against West Ham. Anything jump off the page for you? Yeah, a couple of changes for Graham Potter, of course, still unbeaten in his spell in charge of Brighton. They're taking on a struggling Southampton side, zero points from their opening two matches, beaten comfortably by Burnley. And then, of course, as I touched on a little earlier, beaten at home by Liverpool last weekend. So a couple of Changes for Brighton. He's struck upon this 3-4-3 formation has Graham Potter, of course, new to the Premier League. Matt Ryan in goals, back three of Duffy, Dunk and Byrne. Montoya, Stevens, Proper and March across the midfield. And he's mixed things up 
from an attacking standpoint and he has given a full debut to Neil Mopé as well, the Frenchman who's joined from Brentford, spent big money on a man that scored 26 goals in the Championship last season for Brentford. Florin Andone, the Romanian, he's also been given a start and Leandro Trossard, their big signing from Genk over in Belgium, scored last week in that draw against West Ham. He has given his place in the side. As for Ralph Hussenhattel and his Southampton team, Angus Gunn starts in goals. It looks to me as if it'll be a back four. Jan Valery in at right back, Kevin Danso at left back, Verstegard and Bednarik at the heart of that defence. James Ward-Prowse on the right-hand side, Nathan Redmond on the left-hand side of the midfield with Oriel, Romeo and Pierre Hoiberg in the middle of the park. And then the front two, they'll give you mobility, they'll give you pace in behind. It is Danny Ings and a man that I know Graham Potter is a big fan of. Che Adams, the big summer recruit from Bright, uh, Birmingham City. Sorry, a young Englishman with a very bright future indeed. So Brighton against Southampton. As for Watford... It's got, that, 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 that's got to be a derby, isn't it? Brighton-Southampton. There's got to be a little bit of... bit of needle. It's not quite Brighton Palace. It's not quite Southampton-Portsmouth. But yeah, I would imagine there's uh, bragging rights. South Coast derby. South Coast bragging rights. So there is. Big day, I feel, for Watford as well. They're winless thus far as well. Beaten handsomely by Brighton on the opening day of the season. Beaten last weekend by Everton. It's your beloved West Ham that make the short journey to Vicarage. Road, he's worried. mixed things up again. You're worried, yeah. No, I wouldn't be. This Watford team were awful on the opening day. I think West Ham will get at them a little bit. He's changed things, has Javi Grazia. He's tried to mix things up today. Ben Foster starts in goals. It's Kiko Femina, uh, Jose Halibos, uh, Craig Cathcart, and Craig Dawson at the heart of the defence. Dukuri and Kapui will anchor the midfield. Will Hughes and Tom Cleverley will be asked to produce a little bit of creativity in that midfield. Gerard Delafeu and Andre Gray up front for Watford. As for your beloved West Ham, Fabianski in goals, Fredericks, Ogbonna, Diop and Masuka. It's then Mark Noble and Declan Rice in the midfield. He's given a start today for Andrei Yaramalenko, wearing number seven. Manuel Lanzini, who I am reliably informed was the standout player at the Amex Arena against Brighton last week. Felipe Anderson, too good for West Ham, in my humble opinion. He starts oh. on the left-hand side. And then your big man, the man that's cost you £45 million plus in that summer transfer window, Sebastian Haller, the man that scored goals for fun for Frankfurt last season, the Frenchman. He is up front on his own for West Ham. That game also kicking off at six o'clock. Yeah, just looking at that lineup as well. Uh, good to see Noves back in. Uh, I think that I think they've sort of lacked that. A bit of leader. Yeah, the leadership. I know I've been banging on about leadership throughout the entire show as well. And I have been a bit of a critic for Mark Noble in recent years because I think he's he's lost that not just one yard of pace. He's lost a couple of yards yeah. of pace now. Uh, but I noticed this last night actually when I was doing that that, that game. The um, where was I last night? Um, uh, down Al in Abu Dhabi. Stadium. Yeah, Al Wada. Al Wada. Uh, and I was watching Ishmael Mata, 38 years young. And I was thinking, you know, when I went in, I was thought, what's he got to offer these days? But just the oh. way that that sort of football brain is able to pull strings. That's exactly it. He's classish, my old matter. He's still probably one of the best players in the league. And that is a little bit like Mark Noble. I always come back to it. Teddy Sheringham, you know, when he was over here, we asked him, Teddy, you know, of all the players you played with, first name he said, Mark Noble. You really? know, just in terms of what a pro he is, he understands the game, he gets the game, he's a student of the game, and he said, listen, he, he, had, he had nothing but praise for Mark Noble and what a wonderful player he is. You're not wrong, he's not got any pace these days, <laughs> but he just, he settles everyone down, he's a calm head, and he just gets the ball kind of circulating. I mean, Jack Wilshire, I mean, he's replacing Wilshire in that midfield. I mean, Wilshire's done. Wilshire is not the player that we all thought that he would become. So Noble and Rice, I like the two of them. They allow your Andersons, your Lanzinis, your Yarmolenkos to go on and dictate and have a bigger say on the football match further up the field. Yeah, interesting that... Uh, and I've got to say, Tom, sorry to jump in. Oh. The West Ham coaching staff, they're the best dressed 
in all of world football. <laughs> Manuel Pellegrini and his coaching staff, they all look absolutely just perfect in their navy blue suits, their nice purple ties. They're an absolute joy, those boys. I can't believe they put it on the big screen in front of us. We've got West Ham. What we're on? We're not going anywhere. The two, the two Man U fans here are like, "What on earth is going on? We've been relegated to a small I, I, screen I think behind Tom, us." I think Tom has arranged this. Chris, <laughs> I think we need to have some words. We are not watching Watford against West Ham. <laughs> Apparently, this is the official game on the screen, Chris. Oh you, you're going to have to move. Goodness gracious! Someone book that table then. <laughs> we've, got, we've got it all going on down here at Barasta. Big thank you to all of you for joining. Uh, the proceedings. Lots to look forward to in the world of uh, football. Lots to look forward to in the world of sport. Let's just wrap up on a couple of these stories of the day. Uh, Scotland were facing uh, another stern battle against France. What's the latest? Yeah, Tom, what I can tell you is they are still leading that battle 17-14. I'm just waiting for the final whistle to blow, but it seems like Scotland uh, are going to beat France a massive turnaround from last weekend England kicking off against Ireland at Twickenham in a few moments time it's uh, the Warrington Wolves against St Helens at a very noisy Wembley for the Challenge Cup final ever been to a Challenge Cup final McCarty? I have not in go to band. one go to one really? alright uh, rugby league might not be yours mine or anyone else's a sport around this table but it's one of those games that as a sports fan you should go to the atmosphere wherever they hold it and more recently obviously down at Wembley is electric and whether you're a leaguey or not it's just a game it's to just a to. big day out for the northerners oh, isn't it it's just a wonderful wonderful sporting spectacle uh, thank you very much indeed to UCVR enjoy your rugby and enjoy your football absolutely Tom have a great week to all our listeners best of luck to United tonight uh, Chris McCarty yeah thanks Tom enjoy the rugby I know you're watching England against Ireland and yes enjoy your week and that goes for the listeners as well we're going to be back down next Saturday between the hours of 3 and 6. Do join us down here at Barasti. The temperature is still warm, but this is your place to come if you love your live sports. Thanks very much indeed for listening. Uh, we will, as I said, uh, be back next Saturday. Until then, uh, from all the team here, big thank you to Benji here on the ground, to all the team supporting us back off, how's the IT, the engineers, and of course, all the crew back in the studio. That's it from us. See you next week. Bye-bye. This is The Grill. Get involved with Dubai Eye on Facebook.